Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karan Bhatia. I am Karan Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. And we have a great show for you today, a bunch of guests. So first up, I will be speaking to Otha Jones III. You may not have heard his name yet, but you will. He's 20 years old, 5-0, two knockouts. He's signed to Matchroom. And he's been uh, putting his work in. In 2019, he actually fought twice within one week. He traveled from the UK to America on back-to-back weekends to fight. That's obviously very rare uh, in boxing nowadays. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about him sparring with Tony Harrison, who is a bigger guy. Uh, So what was that like? He's also a very confident young man. He actually said that he would beat Floyd Mayweather. So I'm going to ask him about his plan to do that and also his thoughts on the 130-pound division, 135-pound division, and his goals in the sport of boxing. And then I will be speaking to Tom Loeffler. You know him as part of the core management team for Gennady Golovkin. He was involved with the Klitschko brothers for a long time, now working with Gennady. So we're actually going to get an update on the big fight that everyone wants to see, Canelo versus Triple G3. Tom is going to give us an update on how those negotiations are coming together. And speaking of negotiations, we're going to get the latest on the Clarissa Shields versus Cecilia Breikhaus negotiations. Now, my conversation happened with Tom right before uh, Cecilia fought Jessica McCaskill. Jessica McCaskill, of course, got the upset win. Um, But maybe that makes the fight more possible, less possible. But Tom Loeffler is going to kind of give us a peek behind the curtain into what these negotiations are like, what network that fight would be on, what the prize money would be. Uh, things like that. So if you want to get the inside scoop on the negotiations, like I said, Canelo Triple G3, uh, Breakhouse versus Shields, uh, you're going to want to hear my conversation with Tom Loeffler. And finally, I will be speaking to undefeated Chris Congo, a.k.a. Too Slick. He's 12-0, 7 KOs, only 27 years old. And I spoke to him right before his matchup with Luther Clay. There was a lot of bad blood, uh, a lot of smack talk back and forth. So we, of course, talked about that. Chris Congo ended up getting the big win, getting the ninth round knockout. So he backed up the smack talk that you'll hear in our interview. Uh, But you're going to hear about the back and forth. What exactly went on? There was an Instagram live chat where uh, Congo was on there. Clay kind of made his way in the chat. There was some back and forth. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Congo and his goals in the sport. But first up, here is my conversation with rising star Otha Jones III. I am Karan Bhatia, and let's ask the experts. I am Karan Bhatia. I am chatting with Otha Jones the third, aka OJ3. He's 20 years old, 5-0, two knockouts from Ohio, signed to Matchroom. So, Otha, obviously we know what's going on in the world. The global pandemic, everyone, uh, everything shut down, um, disruptions in life. Where are you right now and are you safe? Um, right now I'm in currently in uh Albany, Georgia. I'm uh with a teammate, and um, he's from Atlanta, so we're out here training, you know, and um, getting the work in. You're getting the work in, and you turned pro in 2019. You racked up uh, four quick wins. Uh, you had another win in January of 2020, and then boom, it was halted, obviously, because of the pandemic. So has that been hard for yeah. you to deal with in terms of just the stoppage of momentum there? Uh, yeah, it's been pretty hard, you know. Uh, uh, 
boxer like me that that's uh really active and uh used to fighting a lot you know sitting sitting down for a long time is is very hard you know uh during the pandemic you know i was you know real mad angry frustrated so i would go to the gym you know hit the bag might go run you know and all that is over i'm happy you know and i got a date now and i'm happy and um back to work back to work and that's my next question i've seen you tweeting this i've seen it out there september 26 right so you have a date um who's the opponent where's the fight gonna be what what are the details um i just got the date right now i'm waiting on the uh the whole carfax and uh stuff to come out okay but what we do know is september 26 right exactly yes sir Okay, cool, cool, cool. And so in terms of this this time in quarantine, I mentioned you mentioned that you took out your boredom a little bit at the gym. You used it to work harder. So uh, I know that you and your family have the Soul City Boxing Club. So you've been staying active. You've been staying tra- training uh, on the regular during this time? On the regular, yes, sir. You know, um, you know, sparring on the regular, working out, you know, trying to, trying to just eat right, you know, get down the weight now. And you are only 20 years old, but you did something last year that I have to ask you about because I, it's very rare that you see this in boxing. You fought on June 21st, 2019. Uh, that was in England. And that was a yeah. first round TKO. And then you fought one week later, in June 29th, uh, at the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence. I was actually there for that fight. Um, and that was a unanimous decision. You won every round. How did that come together back to back weekends uh fighting for you? Um it was it was real good, you know. Uh you know, fighting the amateurs a lot, going going to uh, nationals and things like that. If if your weight class is stacked, you have to fight every day. So, you know, um amateur really prepared me for that and um easy work. <laughs> It was easy work. Uh, the first fight, a TKO in the first round, like I said, the second fight, you won every round. Was there a little bit of fatigue in that second fight in terms of traveling from Europe back to America and, and just the toll that that could take out uh, take on you? Uh, no fatigue at all. I was just, um, you know, ready to fight, you know, ready to show my, uh, show my skills. Um, and I did that. And uh, in terms of uh, of that fight that came back to back, did you know uh, on the June twenty first fight, the first fight, did you know that you were going to be fighting a week later, or did that fight finish and then you realized, oh, okay, I might have to board a plane now and and, and take on another fight in a week? No, it was it was um you no, know, I looked good in in the first fight in England, and Eddie said that he wanted me right back the next week, so <laughs> I said no problem, I, I I'll take the, I'll take the challenge, and I took it. You're, you're, then, uh, working. Your number was called, and there's I think there's video online on YouTube of Eddie Hearn having that conversation with you uh, in the locker room, which is, is just an amazing feat. Um, I actually read that that uh, sh- um, there's a lot of fighters that that have done that. Like for example, Sugar Ray Leonard was one that that used to fight often. Um, are you trying to emulate that like that throwback style to fighters of like uh, you know a previous uh, era? I wasn't trying to say I was emulating it. I would just say. I wanted to work and I got it and I was happy that I got it. And then I fought. And speaking of work, I saw another video online and I believe it was you sparring against Tony Harrison. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Tony. So you're, you're campaigning right now 
at 130 pounds. Tony's uh, fighting at 154. He's a, he's a bigger guy. So what was that like fighting uh, Tony Harrison? Uh, sparring with Tony Harrison, I should say. Yeah, it was a, a very good experience. You know, obviously he's bigger than me. You know, I can't sit there and bang with him. So I have to use my boxing ability and move and, you know, use my angles. And it was just a very good experience. And I thank him for that. And that's definitely a, a good fighter to learn from. Uh, he's been in some great fights himself. So I wanted to talk to you also about another young fighter, Devin Haney. Um, he's at 135 right now. You're at 130. Is that are, are you are you friendly with Devin Haney? Do you guys have a good relationship? Yeah, we got a good relationship. That's my bro. And and what have you learned from him in terms of his career becoming you know popular in the sport? What what have you taken away from that? Man, that's a whole lot. I can go on for days, but what I learned is that you 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 can um you can start off your career, you know, at the bottom, at the bottom, at the bottom, build yourself up, and then come up big when you get signed. You know, that was a real big thing that he did. And I salute him for that, you know, because in the amateurs, you know, I was right side side uh fighting side by him, you know, um in the amateurs. And to see him do that, it was just amazing and, and how far he he has grown and how far he has come. And uh world champion, he, he deserved it. He just deserved it. Absolutely. And that, that seems to be another person, a good person to surround yourself with. So I wanted to ask you about, um, we talked about your, your boxing club, soul city boxing club. Um, it's in, it's in Ohio and you've actually done a lot for the community. Um, I was reading that, that you've, you've helped, uh, contribute to a 30% drop in crime, which is amazing. Um, do you take pride in that, that, that this gym is, is helping uh, young people stay active and keeping them out of trouble? Yeah, I take very much pride in it because, um, you know, I, have a, uh, I had a lot of friends, you know, that was uh, in the streets and stuff, you know, getting killed. And um, I don't need, need to be heartbroken like that anymore. That's, I just don't like going through that. And, um, so I, I just, you know, I go around, I tell kids to come to the gym, you know. I see a lot of kids on the street, come to the gym, come to the gym, you know, don't be out here. You know, ain't, ain't nothing out here for you. Come get active in the gym. You can come hit the bag with me and come have fun with me at the gym. Come work out with me. Come just, just come do something. Come just come be active. And, you know, and they, and it gets to them and, and they like it. And once they get to liking it, I know that I did something good in my heart and for the community. And that, that's amazing that you're giving back. And I think uh, that you're offering them that support system, that family uh, and helping people. I think that's great. So in terms of your family and the people around you, I believe it was uh, your father, uh, Otha Jones Jr., who started the gym, uh, your brother's in the picture helping you out. And of course, your sister um, is an Olympic level fighter herself. So just tell me about the people around you and what type of role they play in your camp and working with you. Um, you know, Arthur Jones Jr. is my dad. You know, he he's the uh, the foundation, the one that that started it. You know, the one that got me where I am today. And then we have uh, my brother, Roshan Jones. Uh, you know, Mitt Man, um, workout man. He works you out real hard. Um, wakes me up in the morning, push me, and do the morning run. And then uh, we have my sister O'Shea, O'Shea Jones, the Olympian, where she's um. After Olympics, she 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 might go to Olympics again, or she might turn pro. You know, and then we have uh, Charles Conwell, another Olympian. 
training, training partner, sparring partner. Um, you know, he also pushes me. And then we have his brother, Isaiah Steen, uh, great workout partner. And, um, we have Haven Brady Jr. That's my sparring partner. That's my bro, you know. Not the same, not the same mother, but the same brother. You feel me? And, um, you know, I can go on for days. We got a lot of people in the gym, but yeah, that's that's just uh, the foundation, the foundation and the base of Soul City Boxing right now. And you mentioned your brother Roshan. I was reading that you guys were both um, top wrestlers growing up, and he actually had an injury, right? That that prevented him yeah. from continuing. So now his work has been working with you and training with you, right? Right. And what do you think about that, you know, in terms of the sacrifice that, 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 you know, he had to make in a way, but it's, it's, you know, it, I'm sure it's good to have him as a support system around you. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, you know, he was wrestling in high school, uh, things like that. Um, unfortunately he broke his neck, you know, and he, uh, he couldn't wrestle no more. And, um, he started me off wrestling things to get me tougher tough like that in boxing then when I became eight years old I started boxing and, um you know him and my dad came together and said we're gonna just focus on me and um build everything into me and um and that's what they're doing now man and, 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 um as you can see they they're doing good because I'm five and oh and I'm and I'm I'm going on I'm on a road to greatness and when you decided to turn pro, um, was that a tough decision to to make that transition? And how did you make that decision to turn pro in the beginning of 2019? Yeah, it was it was a a tough decision. But what really made me turn pro is was was, was politics. You know, um, I knew that it was gonna take a lot for me to to make the Olympics, and uh, it was my dream for uh, me and my sister to be in the Olympics together. But unfortunately. You know, they it was politics, and you know they they um handpicked, and uh, I just I just knew I wasn't gonna be able to make it, so I just turned pro, and, um, and that's all she wrote. And when you say you say politics, what was the reason you feel like you wouldn't have been selected to uh, to represent America in the Olympics? Um, it was just um you know uh, one of one of the the coaches fighters was in my weight and um I just knew like I was gonna have to be four or five times just to get the spot and just didn't feel like going through that. So you've turned professional as we said. So we've seen you campaign at 130 and also uh 135. What's the weight class that you think you'll be consistently fighting at for the time being? Um right now probably one thirty plus two a couple more fights, and then um, when it's time to, to, to get a fight for a title, definitely 130. Okay. And there's a lot of big names uh, at 130, 135. Um, we know Leo Santa Cruz, Miguel Burchelt, Jamel Herring, uh, Tevin Farmer, Jojo Diaz, Shakur Stevenson. So out of the uh, Tank Davis, another one. So out of the, the fighters in your weight class, I mean – who do you think you would match up best against, and who do you think is kind of at the top of the uh, the group there? Um, it's a lot of great fighters at one thirty, but uh, in my opinion, Jamel Herring is is the weakest link, and um, I would say Leo Leo Santa Cruz is is the toughest, 
but I want all the smoke. I'm not scared of nobody, and I want all the smoke. And I've, I've, I've heard you talk about Tank Davis before. Um, what are your thoughts on Tank Davis, and how do you think you would match up with him in a, in a fight? Uh, yeah, Tank is a, a very skillful fighter. But me, I think I got the recipe for everything. If, I think if I fight Floyd Mayweather right now, I would beat him. That's a, that's a uh, very confident statement there. You feel like if you got a chance of, with Floyd right now, you would, you would beat Floyd Mayweather. Absolutely, because me, myself, my dad, and my brother, I feel that we are unstoppable. And you, you need to have that confidence as, as a fighter, right? You need to feel that, that you can beat the best. Um, so if you were to ever get that dream opportunity with Floyd, I mean, how would you, what would you do? Because obviously we know, you know, he's 50 and 0 undefeated people have tried and no one has been able to have that success in terms of actually getting an actual win on the cards. Um, what do you think that you would do differently than other people? Um, I think, you know, Floyd is, 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 uh, kind of old right now. I would use my youth and, uh, absolutely listen to my trainer and my coach to the T so we can get the dub. And uh, another, you know, great young fighter we talked about was Shakur Stevenson. How do you, how do you, what do you think about Shakur Stevenson's game and how do you feel that you would match up with him? Uh, Shakur is, is, is very nice at uh, distancing and, uh, you know, placing his shots well. You know, his last fight, uh, he distanced real good and, and, and got the guy with a body shot. And, um, it was very good, but I think, same thing I'm going to say about everybody. I think I have the recipe for everybody in the world. I'm unstoppable. Um, and, and another guy who was uh, campaigning at 130, doing well, um, except for his most recent fight, was Tevin Farmer. We mentioned him. Um, you, what, do you, what do you think about Tevin Farmer, and, and how would that mythical matchup come, come – how would that play out in terms of you versus Tevin Farmer? Uh, Tevin Farmer is a real nice boxer, you know, uh, has good defense. And, um, you know, he's real slick and, and real hard to hit. But as you've seen with Jojo Diaz, he cannot take pressure. So for me, I would outbox him. And when it get later, deep in the rounds, attack, attack, attack. Can't handle pressure. That's what I think. You know, my dad and my brother might have another opinion. But just for me, that's what I would think. We'll get the job done. And and another fighter who throws a lot of punches, very active, Leo Santa Cruz. We mentioned his name. Uh, I know that you said you feel like he's one of the top in, in the division. Um, how do you feel like you would uh, fare against Leo Santa Cruz? You know, he's a, uh, he's a uh, Mexican. He's going to come all day, all day long. I will box his socks off. A jab and a hook will be him all day. So... You obviously have the confidence, the self-belief, uh, which is important, especially for a young young fighter. What are your overall goals in this sport? Do you want to be a multi-division champion? Do you want to unify a division? What are you looking to do in boxing? Um, I'm just really looking for, um, you know, multi-division champion, get my family out the hood, and get them in nice houses. That's all I want. And is that your motivation, your family and the people around you to help them? Yes, sir. And you're, you're definitely on your way to doing so. Um, you know, we're seeing you moving up the rankings and, and you're, when your name is called, you're getting in there to, uh, to fight. So 
when do you think uh, you'll be ready for your first title opportunity? I would say about another year and a half, I'll be ready. And that's, that's some great honest assessment there that you want to make sure that you're ready for that, that title shot. You're signed to Matchroom, like I mentioned at the top. Um, what has it been like working with Eddie Hearn, with Matchroom? Uh, they're obviously a very innovative promoter, and they're coming back uh, in August. What has it been like working with Matchroom? It's been nice. You know, uh, you know Eddie is real. You know, he's real straightforward. He's, he's not going to, you know, bullshit you. Not, he's not going to sit there and act like, you know, you're just – uh, a great fighter. If he sees if he sees your weakness, he's going to tell you. And um, Matchroom is nice. Just the zone money is great. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. And you know, you're you're only uh, you're only 20 years old. So there's definitely going to be a, a long way to go um, in terms of in terms of your career. Are you someone that wants to be a lifer in boxing? Do you want to stay in the ring, you know, for as long as you can? Or are you someone that looks at someone like an Andre Ward or someone else who maybe stepped away from the game when they still had a little bit left? Uh, is that what's what's more likely in terms of your career arc that you'd like to go towards? Uh, I would like to get as as wealthy as, as possible, you know, get as much uh, fights as possible and get out the game. You know, I'm not here to fight until I die, you know. I just want to, you know, get get what I can and get out the game. And when when it is all said and done, I mean, you're just starting out, 20 years old. What do you hope that people look back uh, on your career? What do you hope they remember about you as a fighter, as a person? What What do you hope they remember? I just hope they remember that uh, I'm a very nice all around boxer with good sportsmanship. And um, just to close it out, what would be your your final message to fans, to supporters, to people who have followed your career so far and are and are looking forward to continue to follow your career? Um, you can follow me at Ota Jones Three RD, Instagram and Twitter. And for my fans that already follow me, keep following me, and it's um, I'm something to watch. Definitely something to watch. Uh, and we know that you're going to do big things in this sport. And I just wanted to one more time, um, we mentioned the Soul City Boxing Club. And like I said, I think it's great what you're doing, helping young kids. Um, tell people if they're in the area where they can find Soul City Boxing Club and, and what they should do to get involved. Um, you can find us at 801 Junction. And we have a, um, a Facebook. And we have a um, www.soulcitygym.com. Perfect. Otha Jones, the third, I want to thank you so much for the time. I'm looking forward to your comeback uh, on September 26th. Uh, I really uh, appreciate the time. And I hope that as you continue in your young career, we can keep the conversation and keep the dialogue going and kind of watch you go through uh, the boxing ranks here. Right. Thank you for having me too. That was young Otha Jones III. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with him. Now moving on, here is my conversation with Tom Loeffler. We're going to get an insight into a couple different negotiations. That's Canelo Triple G3. How is that fight coming together? And of course, Breakhouse versus Shields. Now my conversation happened before uh, the Breakhouse upset to McCaskill. So that can change the equation a little bit, but hopefully that actually makes the fight more likely to happen. So here's my conversation with Tom Loeffler.
I am Karan Bhatia chatting with Tom Loeffler. You know him as the boxing promoter involved in Triple G promotions, K2 promotions, of course, 360 promotions. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm good, Karan. How are you? I'm doing well. Obviously, when we start these interviews uh, this time around in, in this period, we have to make sure that everyone's staying safe and everything's good. So just checking in, everything's safe. You know, are you safe? Everything good on your end? Everything is okay out here, you know, out in California and particularly out in Los Angeles, uh, where I am, uh, we've had uh, pretty much a second wave. So we've got, had to be really careful uh, just following the same rules, the social distancing, wearing the masks outside, everything like that. I've been, I've been staying very safe. I've visited uh, Cecilia a couple of times in camp. So I've gotten tested uh, before each time just to, to be sure everything is okay. So Luckily, everything's uh, fine on our side, but it's definitely uh, something we can't underestimate. And certainly uh, with this uh, pandemic and the virus, uh, it changes uh, the sport of boxing and, and how everything is, all the preparations uh, leading into the, to the fights. That's exactly it. The procedures, everything is everything has changed. We've seen that with Top Rank and the great effort that they've done yeah. with the bubble in Vegas. Now we sure. know Matchroom coming back to America. And that leads us to talk about, of course, the main event, first ever women's main event in the zone history. Uh, yeah. This is presented by Matchroom US, August 15th. It's going to be in downtown Tulsa. And from what I've seen about renderings uh, and drawings and things, it looks like it'll be uh, completely open air out on the street, right? So it's going to be an exciting event. Yeah, it, it, it looks exciting. I've talked to the guys from Matchroom, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a great location out there. Uh, you know, Cecilia's been in uh, camp since January. Originally, she was supposed to fight Jessica McCaskill April 17th. And as we all know, everything got uh, pushed back. Uh, she stayed. Luckily, she stayed in training camp because otherwise she would have had an issue coming back uh, from Norway here to the United States. So she made the sacrifice, stayed by herself up there. Uh, in Big Bear, and uh, I actually think it gave her uh, some much-needed time with Abel Sanchez just to get used to his uh, his new system, uh, different training techniques than, than she might have been used to in the past, and uh, I think you're going to see a tremendous result um, August 15th. It's, uh, it's one of those things, like you said, it's the first ever female championship fight that's headlining the zone, so we really appreciate uh, the zone. USA, uh, Matchroom USA, we have a great relationship with uh, Eddie, with uh, Frank over there, and uh, all, all the fellows at uh, Matchroom, so we appreciate their support. It's a huge fight. You know, Cecilia's considered the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in uh, women's boxing, uh, and this is a very special uh, milestone. If she's successful, she could uh, potentially, uh, or she would break uh, the great Joe Lewis's uh, record. It's uh, it's not an easy task because she is fighting unified champion Jessica McCaskill, moving up from 140 pounds. So it's going to be a, a tremendous fight, definitely worthy of a main event on the zone. No, absolutely. I've been up to Big Bear, uh, to Abel Sanchez's gym. It's a very immersive experience. And the fact that uh, Cecilia has been up there for a long time, I'm sure she's been training hard. I was lucky enough to speak with her a few months ago um, as she was continuing training. I also was lucky enough to speak to her opponent, Jessica McCaskill, who was very confident in her own mm -hmm. ability. Um, sure. And so in terms of, of this fight, we know that Cecilia is undisputed at 147 pounds. Sure. She has all the belts. Uh, McCaskill has two belts at 140. This fight, sure. 
will be at a catch weight of 145. But to my understanding, it's only Cecilia's belts that are on the line, right? So Cecilia really has more to lose in this fight, right? Yeah, absolutely. She's putting uh, all of her undisputed titles, uh, her best uh, pound for pound rating uh, on the line to fight uh, uh, Jessica McCaskill. McCaskill is moving up, but she's, uh, you could tell that she uh, uh, seems like she's going to be fine moving up uh, in weight. And uh, Cecilia's agreed to move down. And uh, it, whenever you can get two champions fighting each other, uh, it's it's a special occasion. It's not so easy on the men's side. Trust me, we've uh, we've tried that a number of times. Uh, it's not it's not as easy as it sounds. And uh, so we appreciate uh, this fight here. And uh, I think this uh, will definitely be a historic uh, event in Tulsa. Unification fights are always great. And like you said, very hard to put together. Different belts have different mandatories and there's so many other things involved, networks, promoters, things like that. So the fact that we're getting this fight is a great treat for us. It's a main event. So in terms of Cecilia's plans in the sport, you know, I spoke to her and after McCaskill, she was thinking about possibly fighting the Taylor Serrano winner and almost like a mini tournament in a way that fight doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon in terms of some issues back and forth with promoters. Um, But, but here's my question, just in terms of Cecilia's mindset about what she wants to do. Is there any part of her that's maybe overlooking Jessica McCaskill? McCaskill is coming into this fight, very confident. Um, She has a lot less to lose. She says she's going to knock out Cecilia. Is there any part of Cecilia that's, uh, you know, any part of her that's maybe overlooking uh, McCaskill? Trust me, uh, Karen, being up there in that training camp for what's it been now? Uh, Six months. Uh, she's not overlooking. She's not overlooking anyone. She she's made the sacrifice to be up there. She's focused on uh, Jessica McCaskill. Uh, she has a lot to lose. Like like uh, we said, she's putting all of her titles on the line, and uh, she's definitely not overlooking Jessica. But as you mentioned, uh, Kay Taylor is fighting a week later on uh, August twenty second. She's not fighting Amanda Serrano, but um, she's in a very tough fight. She's doing the rematch with uh with uh delphine Persoon, uh which was an extremely competitive fight uh the first time they fought in madison square garden uh uh here in the united states so uh doing the rematch uh against Persoon is is a dangerous fight for katie so if if a cecilia is successful uh, and if uh, katie is successful or whoever the, the winners are then uh could uh, lead up to like we were kind of dubbing at the final four you know a mini uh, tournament where it could lead to the biggest fight uh in the history of uh, women's boxing and so and that was my next question for you so if cecilia is successful and we obviously don't want to overlook mccaskill that's going to be a tough test if katie taylor is successful in her rematch with person is that going to be the plan that that the winners of those fight will meet that would be the plan uh you know eddie's uh very uh, supportive of uh, female boxing, uh, just as I am. If you remember, uh, uh, Cecilia was the first female fighter to headline uh, HBO, where, where you were at for so many years. After 45 years, she broke uh, the glass ceiling there for female boxing, and now being able to do that on the zone is a tremendous uh, achievement. And uh, if she's successful, if uh, Katie's successful, then uh, that would be the strategic uh, goal, uh, as discussed with Eddie and Matchroom, uh, of trying to put that fight together, which would be a, a, a huge fight. 
That would be another massive event, another great fight for women's boxing, for boxing in general. Um, yeah. Another another fight, of course, that you know we've everyone's been talking about is the mythical matchup: Cecilia Breakhouse versus Clarissa Shields. We know that they went back and forth. I was lucky enough to speak to both women. Um, there was some back and forth on Twitter, and eventually Clarissa said, "I'm done talking. I'll have Mark Taffet reach out to Tom Loeffler." <laughs> so, did Mark Taffet reach out to you? <laughs> There was a lot of back and forth on uh, on Twitter, and uh, I think sometimes look, we have a lot of respect for Clarissa, everything she's accomplished. I think sometimes she gets ahead of herself uh, in terms of not uh, recognizing what the, the women before her have accomplished. You know, whether it's Leila Ali, whether uh, Cecilia. Look, if you can make twenty five title offenses, that's a that's a huge statement. Clarissa, in her own right, uh, I mean, they were all cheering for her. When she won her two gold medals, it's something that Cecilia wasn't able to do because uh, female boxing wasn't uh, part of the Olympics uh, when she was uh, coming up. But uh, Cecilia, uh, in her own right, she got uh, boxing reinstated, professional boxing reinstated in Norway single-handedly after a 35-year ban. So um, I think uh, Clarissa has a tremendous career in front of her. I, I just think sometimes she gets ahead of herself when she's already dubbing herself the greatest of all time when there's so many people, whether it's, uh, uh, like I said, Leila Ali, uh, Cecilia, uh, Lucia Riker, um, so many uh, uh, fighters before her that uh, really opened the doors so that she was able to compete in the Olympics. And, and she's, uh, she, she's what, the three-division uh, world champion. So if there's a way to potentially make that fight down the road, that's something that uh, you know can be discussed. Right now, uh, Cecilia's going in the direction of this fight here with Justin McCaskill, which was a huge fight. Uh, as you mentioned, main event on, on the zone, uh, USA on August 15th. And then if we could put that Katie Taylor fight together, that's huge. Now, if, that, if, all, if everything goes the right way, then there's always something uh, to discuss. I will uh, say that they've uh, agreed to come down to 147 uh, to fight, uh, Cecilia, which is, uh, which is a huge deal. So, uh, if, if there's a way to make that fight, we'll try. I have a long relationship with, uh, Mark Taffet and, uh, Dimitri Salida. I think they've done a tremendous job, uh, building Clarissa on Showtime. Um, you know, thanks to Steven Espinosa as well, supporting uh, female boxing. So, uh, the, the, uh, more she fights, the bigger she grows her fan base. And as we said, if uh, Cecilia is successful, that could be big fight down the road but some certainly nothing that uh, cecilia is focused on now because she's got uh jessica mccaskill in front of her august 15th and then potentially uh katie taylor uh, after that and in just in terms of uh the clarissa fight it, it would also obviously be a huge event um when i spoke to clarissa she said she'd be willing to come down to 150 pounds fight in norway um you're saying now that she's even conceded further to 147 so it's good that that weight may not be an issue just to be clear in terms of, you know, these negotiations, Cecilia's top line in terms of weight for that fight would be 147 or would she ever consider a catch weight of 150 pounds? No, 147 where she would uh, defend all of her titles. It would be uh, for the undisputed welterweight championship, which would also be a huge milestone for uh, Clarissa. Um, if, if she was able to uh, accomplish that, but you know, there really haven't been any negotiations uh for that because we are committed uh to this path uh she is exclusively promoted by matchroom um so there really hasn't been any uh, negotiations but uh if there's a way to do that like i said down the road then that'd be something to uh 
something to consider. And I think as uh, Caressa increases her profile in, uh, and with Cecilia accomplishing what she has, uh, you know, that potentially could make the financial uh, part uh, fit in better than it had uh, in the past. And that was the final component of it all, really, was the financial aspect. When I spoke to Cecilia a few months ago, she mentioned that the money she was getting from the zone was higher than the Showtime offer she had. Uh, When I spoke to Clarissa, Clarissa said Showtime had been willing to offer uh, that fight, that mythical fight, Clarissa versus Cecilia, as a Showtime pay-per-view, which would yield each fighter a $1 million guaranteed purse. So I just want to hear it from your end um, in terms of, was that offer made by Showtime for a Showtime pay-per-view main event and, and a $1 million uh, purse for, for that fight, Cecilia versus Clarissa? No, I had heard that also, uh, that Clarissa had said there was a million dollar offer that wasn't responded or that was turned down. That That's not true. I, I did, like I said, I have a long relationship with Mark Taffet. Um, whenever you go on pay-per-view, unless there is a guarantee put up by a particular promoter, there is, uh, you know, it's basically what the, what the fighters earn. So there wasn't a, a million dollar guarantee. But, um, and again, this is all premature, Fern, and I don't like really going back. You know my style. I don't like going back and forth. I, my negotiations, you know, when we're doing the Triple G Canelo fights or Danny Jacobs, whatever it is, I'll, I'll usually uh, stay out of the media and, and just figure out a way uh, to get those fights done. And uh, if that ever came up, the opportunity, then, you know, it would be something uh, similar uh, along the, the lines. I think, uh, um you know, putting it out there on social media that there was an offer made and turned down and not responded to that, that isn't, uh, isn't correct. But, uh, uh, you know, if there's a way to do it down the road, then, then, uh, we'll sit down and, and, and try to figure out how to, how to make that play. Let's hope that that fight happens. And certainly I understand you want to have these discussions at the negotiating table with firm offers and things like that. Uh, just final question about this topic before we move on, if it was to happen in your mind, would it be a joint event between the zone uh, Showtime and other parties uh, would it have to be on one platform or the other? Where do you where would this fight land if it was to happen? That's uh, <laughs> dealing with this pandemic. We're just focused on August fifteenth. I mean, all those questions about negotiations and platforms and promotional. I mean, that's that's uh, way too premature to even uh, uh, to go down the road. I mean, like I said, the you know the the first step uh, in the right direction was. Uh, uh, the weight is an issue where it was always an issue before. So that seems to not be an issue at this point. Uh, but everything else is, it, it's hard to speculate on. Uh, you know, we don't know uh, what, I mean, we see uh, what happened uh, what, with the uh, Florida Marlins team, um, you know, testing 14 people, testing positive, and they might not be able to compete, you know, for a while. So we're just hoping everything goes well for August 15th. We get through that and then, We'll see about Katie Taylor. So any speculation down the road uh, on uh, on a fight with Professor Shields is, is really uh, premature at, uh, at at this point, especially under this pandemic. Hopefully, uh, we see uh, things getting better towards the end of the year. Uh, hopefully, in 2021. But uh, uh, the way it's going with the virus, it's it's hard to speculate what's going to happen uh, down the road, and especially now with the negotiations. I mean, everything's changed. You know, you take out. You, know, you can't have uh, uh, ticket sales, uh, you know, it affects the sponsorships, uh, the whole thing and uh, affects the media. Naturally, you know, when we were doing the, the Triple G and Canelo fights, I mean, the, the gate was a massive component of the financial revenue of, of those fights uh, to complement the, the pay-per-view. And 
and the sponsorships and everything like that. So um, it, it's really hard to try to speculate on how to structure something like that under under uh, these conditions. It's hard enough to make a big fight as it is, especially when there's <laughs> yeah. networks and promoters. You throw in this global pandemic, like you said, it just throws the entire in the entire financial equation on its head. Um, right. and, and also in terms of safety and protocols. And once again, I want to give credit to Top Rank for coming back safely, Matchroom, uh, all the other networks and promoters that are coming back. It was announced today that the Matchroom fight camp uh, over on the UK side, all fighters and participants had tested negative. So it looks like they're doing the right things in terms of keeping that safe. And I'm sure they're going to continue those protocols on August 15th in Tulsa for that big uh, Brighthouse versus Mike Caskill fight. That's going to be a massive event. You mentioned uh, Triple G and Canelo. Uh, obviously, with this pandemic, I mean, we everything's been thrown off. Um, you know, dates and have changed. Things keep moving. Fighters' purses, in terms of top level fighters like a Triple G or a Canelo, get affected here because they don't have that extra money from the live gate, like you said. Um, in terms of Gennady, I mean, is there any update that that you can tell us? Is there anything new? Uh, when when do we think we'll see Gennady Golovkin back in the ring? Um. There's no uh, set date or location. Uh, things are changing on a regular basis with Gennady. He has started his training camp. He is with Jonathan Banks uh, and the team, uh, you know, doing their preliminary uh, training. But uh, until he gets a fight date, there's uh, he's not at the stage where he's sparring or, or anything like that. So, um, you know, as soon as there's something set for him, uh, then uh, there'll, there'll be an announcement made. Um, there, but uh, from everything I hear from uh, JB, uh, that Gennady looks like he's in tremendous shape. Um, he's one of those guys that always stays disciplined. You know, similar to the Klitschko brothers. You know, Gennady has always uh, stayed disciplined. Oh, it doesn't balloon up in weight. Always stays in shape. Uh, you know, his, I'm sure his children now keep him active. Uh, his son plays hockey, so that uh, you know he's always out there uh, doing physical activities. And, uh, you know, you talk about one of the hardest training athletes that I've ever seen. You know, it's just uh, the routines that Gennady goes through uh, to get ready for a fight uh, are uh, really second to none. So uh, we're excited to see him back in the ring, but uh, there's nothing uh, to be announced uh, as of yet. Hopefully we'll have something soon. Um, naturally, he fights on uh, the zone. And, uh, you know, if there's a way to make that uh, third Canelo fight uh, for next year, that would be great. I know the fans are, are looking forward to a third fight. I would certainly be looking forward to a third fight. Uh, and that would be still one of the biggest fights in the sport of boxing that could be made. I've spent some time with Gennady and Big Bear and elsewhere, just seeing him work. He is absolutely one of the hardest workers in the sport, uh, definitely by far. Uh, very committed to that work ethic. And I think that showed up in his performances in the ring coming here uh, with, you know, from relative obscurity and not a lot of people in America knowing who he was. And then now, I think they mentioned his name in billions. He's become, you know, he's become part of the yeah. culture in a way yeah. that the legend of triple G. Um, yeah. And, and that is, that is a testament to his hard work uh, with Abel Sanchez, now Jonathan Banks, as you yeah. mentioned. So of course, everyone wants to see the third Canelo fight. Like you said, it seems like Canelo may have other plans for September or beyond um, just in terms of Gennady's mindset. You know, he, he's been absolutely perfect in his career, except for the the close fights with Canelo. First fight being a draw. A lot of people thought Gennady won. Second fight, uh, Canelo edging it out. Still a very close fight. Has that been on Gennady's mind? Does he feel like he can't end his career without trying to at least right that wrong one more time? Well, like you said, a lot of people thought that he won the first fight. I'm, I'm certainly in that camp. Uh, 
you know, HBO scored it, you know, with the legendary Harold Letterman, who's unfortunately no longer with us, but uh, he had scored it eight rounds to four. And you know, it's, there's no reason to dwell on those fights in the past. In Gennady's mind, he feels he won the first fight. Uh, I feel actually he won the second fight as well. But, you know, if he would have gotten a draw in the second fight, he would have still retained his titles. I think uh, that would have been acceptable on the scoring. So he's not dwelling on the decisions of those fights. There's no question. Uh, they were both a tremendously competitive fight. Uh, fought at an extremely high level, uh, as Gennady says, uh, high uh, IQ, boxing IQ in the ring. Uh, so you got to give both uh, Canelo and Triple G credit for that. I think Canelo did learn from the first fight, uh, fought better in the second fight. But, uh, you know, like I said, I still don't think that he had done enough to take the titles away from the champion. Because don't forget, they were, they were fighting for Triple G's titles. And that's really where, you know, you're as a challenger, you're supposed to do enough to take the titles away from the champion. But um, to get back to your question, he's not dwelling on those decisions. If the third fight doesn't happen, it's not going to be something uh, that uh, that he's going to be hung up on. Naturally, he would like uh, to do a third fight uh, for the sport of boxing and, and as big of an event as that would be. Naturally, I know the, the zone would uh, love to have a third fight. That was actually supposed to happen last September. You know, we thought uh, with uh, Triple G signing with the zone, that would take off away any of the roadblocks, like you'd mentioned before, making some of these other fights. You know, if there's uh, different promoters involved or different television platforms, it makes it more challenging. So with Triple G signing with the zone, who Canelo had already been with, we thought that would uh, kind of uh, clear the way uh, for that third fight last September. Canelo chose to go a different direction um in his uh career uh for last september so we'll see if if there's a way to make it uh for next year i know the fans would love to see it i know the zone would definitely love to see it and and i really think uh, both fighters uh, uh at this point would uh would want to do that fight so we'll see if there's a way to, to put that together Hopefully that fight comes together sooner than later. Uh, it's one of the biggest fights in boxing. And of course, everyone wants to see it. Thomas Hauser wrote an article recently. And one of the things he said, uh, you know, if, if it gets pushed back too far, he said Canelo Golovkin 3 is in danger of moving past its sell date, sell by date. Um, just curious of your thoughts on that. You know, obviously Gennady is 38 years old now. Is there a chance that that fight could move past its sell by date? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, if you look at those last two fights, uh, the level that they both competed at, uh, and if you look at where Canelo's at in his career and where Gennady's at, I think they were, uh, regardless of what you thought about the decision, uh, that's as hard as Canelo's ever been uh, pushed in his uh, career. Like I said, we, we, we thought the, the first fight was, uh, was a clear decision for uh, uh, Triple G, but as competitive as those fights were, I think a third fight, is still going to be extremely uh, competitive. And, um, you know, that's why it's going to be interesting to see how Gennady looks, you know, coming up if he does fight here in, in September or, you know, in his next fight. Uh, this will be his third fight under Jonathan Banks. And anytime you have a long-established fighter like that, as many fights, as many amateur fights as Gennady had, as many professional fights, it always takes a while to get used to a new uh, trainer, a new training system. So, uh, from all the reports that I hear, uh, he's in some of the best shape he's ever been. And uh, I think uh, the fans will see that in his next fight. And that'll just lead to the excitement for uh, for a third fight. And when I spoke to you in June of last year, uh, before Gennady got ready to fight Steve Rolls, I asked you about how much Gennady has left. What's his plan? You mentioned, of course, that with the zone, it's a six-fight deal. 
Um, he had the fight with Rolls and then Derevichenko. Now, obviously, things outside of his control have caused a pause in the sport of boxing. Um, is that still the plan for Gennady? He's 38 years old, like, like we said. Um, is the plan to have four more fights uh, with a hopefully with a Canelo fight in there, um, but four more fights and then kind of call it a career. I actually didn't mention uh, six fight deal. I don't. I don't discuss uh, anything on the the zone uh, deal. He is under contract with the uh, zone exclusively. Okay. Um, Triple G is one of those fighters. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, comparing him to the Klitschko brothers, you see the type of shape that Vladimir's in and the type of shape that uh, Vitaly has always stayed in. Uh, he's the type of guy that's disciplined. Uh, that sacrifices his for his career. He, he uh, has very clean living habits. So I think that Triple G could fight for many uh, years if he wanted to. Uh, he doesn't have to fight uh, financially, but if he wanted to, uh, he could. And uh, the type of you know uh, fighter with his style, with the type of power and punching, uh, devastating punching power that he has, uh, you know, those are the type of fighters that can. Uh, fight longer uh, as they get older. So uh, I think you're going to see uh, a lot more knockouts in uh, Triple G's career. I, I, you know, and and absolutely, I do remember that part in our conversation. I've seen it reported elsewhere, but I completely understand uh, your point of view. And and I agree in terms of Gennady, the way he stays in shape, he has a long uh, road ahead of him. So it sounds like he's not really thinking about hanging it up anytime soon. And I think that's good for us as boxing fans um hopefully that fight gennady versus uh, triple g versus canelo three comes together for us boxing fans but first we have cecilia breakhouse versus jessica mccaskill it's august 15th it's on the zone it's the main event first main event in the zone history Uh, i'm definitely excited for that one i'm sure you are too and uh, i know you got to run so i want to thank you so much uh, for your time for giving us updates uh, and i hope to talk to you again soon tom no, it sounds good, Karen. It was good to talk to you. And, uh, you know, like you said, uh, you got to give respect to top rank what they've accomplished so far. I know it was challenging in the bubble. Um, we're excited that uh, Cecilia's on the first fight back. What Matchroom is doing, um, you know, you got to give them credit. You know, all these protocols that we're going through, you know, I'm going through it firsthand now with uh, with Cecilia. And uh, it's really changed the whole thing. PBC's, uh, you know, announced a, a great schedule coming up. So uh, it's exciting just to see boxing get back on track, even though there's no fans uh, in most of these events. Uh, it's exciting just to see uh, the guys back in. And, and I think Cecilia versus Justin McCaskill, two uh, current champions fighting each other, I think that's going to be one of the most exciting fights that we see coming out. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for the time, and I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Glenn. Tom Loeffler there giving us a little bit about the uh, business of boxing and telling us what to look forward to in some of these fights and some of these negotiations. So my final guest today is undefeated Chris Congo. Remember, he was getting ready to fight Luther Clay. There was a lot of bad blood there, and we're going to talk about that. So here is my conversation with Chris Congo. I am Karan Bhatia. I am speaking to Chris Congo. He's 27 years old, 11-0. Uh, six knockouts. Chris, I know that uh, you're probably itching to get back in there. Your last fight was in April of 2019. And now, thanks to Matchroom, you have the opportunity uh, on August 22nd against Luther, Cray, uh, Luther Clay. Uh, so yeah. you're, this fight was supposed to be in March. Now it's taking place in August. Uh, how, how long have you been itching to get in there uh, back into the boxing ring? 
um, I've been itching back from last year, you know, obviously thanks to Matram and uh, my manager, Dillian White, was able to get me the opportunity to get out on this card. So, um, yeah, from, from last year, I've been waiting for an opportunity and it's, it's come now, so I'm happy. And uh, before we get into the fight, obviously right now we know what's going on in the world. We have the global pandemic. We have a lot of social issues and everything else that's going on. Um, where are you right now? Are you, are you and your family good? Are you safe? Yeah, all my family's good. We're all safe. Um, I think uh, uh, like my brother, he's back at work and stuff. And yeah, it's all good. I'm back in the gym. We're all good, man. So yeah. That's, that's good to hear. So let's talk about your fight uh, on August 22nd against Luther Clay. So uh, are you worried at all about any ring rust on your end? Like we said, the last time that you were in the ring was uh, in April of 2019. Uh, no, I'm not worried about any ring rust at the moment. Um, the main thing is I've stayed in the gym regardless from from April till now, you know, and that's what's kept me busy, keep, keep me active as well. And I had a few fights, a few fights um, from last year, let's say May, because the last time I boxed was in April. Then um, I was supposed to fight in May, and the guy I was supposed to fight, he pulled out last minute. Then I was supposed to fight in September, getting ready for that. So I've had a few, a few pullouts here and there, and it, it ain't been great. But I won't be, I won't be fussed about um, any ring rust. Because the main thing, once I get in there and I know I'm fighting a guy like Luther Clay, it's going to get me up for the fight. So 100% I, I'm going to be ready. And let's talk a little bit about your opponent, Luther Clay. So he has the one loss, but he's been on an eight-fight winning streak. Uh, he's been a little bit more active. He last fought in December. Um, yeah. He is a little bit younger. He's 24 years old. Uh, but mm -hmm. you'll certainly have the height advantage uh, against him. Um, what do you think about the matchup and his style? I think it's a great matchup. You know, I'm 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 a good, pretty cute boxer. He's more of aggressive, likes to come forward, and um, yeah, he's more he's he's more fan pleasing to be honest. So um, it's a good matchup for both of us. Um, I think I've got way more experience than he has in terms of like just boxing in general and the background of boxing. He started when he was 18. I started when I was eight. And now we're here. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good fight. It's going to be a good fight. But I know I'm definitely coming to take the win regardless. And that can make a big difference in terms of when you actually put on the gloves, muscle memory, things that take a long time to learn. Uh, so you certainly have the advantage, uh, the experience advantage there. You said earlier this year, I saw an interview you did, that you would knock out Clay within six rounds. Are you sticking to that pick? 100% I'm sticking to that, definitely. And But you mentioned your style. You consider yourself more of a cute boxer, um, but you're still going to be able to get the knockout, you feel? 100%. Um, I've done it previously. Um, any person that I've had hurt in my other fights never saw the end of that round. So I'm sticking to the same thing. If I have Luther Clay hurt, he's not going to see the end of that round. And you and Luther Clay were supposed to fight earlier this year, like we said. Um, you guys have had a little bit of back and forth on social media, right? Uh, yeah. I, I saw there was an Instagram live conversation. What happened in that conversation? Well, basically, we were supposed to be scheduled. The fight camp was apparently going to start in July, which is in August now. Um, we should 
really be fighting on the first show um, on the Sam Eggington and the Ted Cheeseman show. We should be on there, but um, he come on to the live and he's talking about um, he needs five. He, he hasn't been running or doing any sort of training for five whole weeks. So he's been in his house. He hasn't been doing nothing. He hasn't moved. And previously, before that, um, him and his manager was going back and forth with me and Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn was was saying, look, the purses are all the same. Just make sure you're fit and ready for July. Uh, his manager was talking about Chris should fight someone else. Um, we'll be looking elsewhere. We're all right. We'll, we'll prefer to fight a guy called Tamuka Mucha. No disrespect to Tamuka, but um, he knows that he'll he'll beat he'll Luther knows that he'll beat Luther and, and he'll beat uh, Tamuka and he knows that I'm I'm a much harder fight than than Tamuka so they'll prefer they was preferring to take that fight but obviously you know in business terms if you take a fight and uh, you want to pull out of it it's not good it, it doesn't it's not a good look. Because we've already we've already agreed to fight, and now you want to pull out when because it's in August, so it ain't really good business. So I feel like they've been forced to take it now from Eddie. Um, the other excuse uh, he was saying that he wanted to fight in a crowd. He doesn't want to box behind closed doors. It doesn't make sense. And uh, yeah, it, there was just so much. There was about five six excuses, you know. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty weird, but I feel like. He's at a place where he has to take the fight. He's got a lot of catching up to do. And I've been staying ready because I was actually ready for July. To be honest, for this fight, all I need is four weeks. I don't need to, you know, another eight weeks, seven weeks. I know that after five, six weeks, I'm going to tone it down, like, properly. And, um, yeah, just sort of take over. So I don't want to go and overtrain and do anything. So, yeah. And you mentioned the no fans. I mean, that is just the reality of the sport right now. A lot of fighters are fighting with no fans, and that seems to be the way it's going to be uh, in the immediate future. In that Instagram Live conversation, um, how did that end? I, I think I read that he just kind of left the conversation, right? He, he left the Instagram Live chat? Yeah, he left the conversation. And reason being, I was speaking facts. Um, at the press conference, when we were supposed to fight in March, he said that, he said, uh, I said to him, listen, regardless of what you bring, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. I'm coming to take the belt. And he said, well, you should be ready because you're a professional. And seven weeks is a long time, you know. And when we was on the live, there was seven weeks till the fight. And I asked him, how can you tell me, um, how can you say to me, uh, I, sh I should be pro I should be professional? and be ready for seven weeks and you're not ready for this next seven weeks and he's saying he needed eight to ten weeks to get ready for the fight because he hasn't done anything for five weeks so that's the reason why he left because i put it on him and i said even two weeks it's not going to do nothing for you you still got a lot of catching up to do and just remember he's changed his coach now so whatever his coach is going to teach him and whatever he's trying to learn within this eight weeks is not going to install straight away. And just remember, he hasn't been boxing for a long time. So, I mean, I've definitely believed that I've got the upper edge over him anyway. And now the fight is locked in for August 22nd. Um, with everything you just said, the new coach, 
wanting more time, him wanting more time uh, for training. Um, do, are you worried at all that if you do come out on top on August 22nd that you may hear excuses uh, from, from Clay's camp if, if, they, if they lose? 100% because they started off going into this camp with excuses already. So they've got a lot on their mind right now. And going into the fight, that's what they're going to be thinking about. If this doesn't work, it's because of this. If this doesn't work, it's because of this. So I'm not surprised. But for me, I'm willing to just go in there and I'm actually going to take him apart. I have to. And outside of, of boxing, I mean, in terms of the fight being pushed back uh, because of the pandemic, that's out of everyone's control. Um, the more recent stuff is is different. Uh, what do you feel? What do you feel about Luther Clay personally? Do you like him personally, or do you not like him? And you're gonna uh, use that as extra motivation in this fight? No, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. The, the the motivation I'm gonna use for this fight is wanting that title, is wanting to get back in the mix. That's my motivation. There, I haven't boxed. By the time the fight comes, it's gonna be 16 months. I would have been out of the ring. So I want to get back into boxing. I want to be active. And I want to take on whoever thinks they're the best in the UK, take on everyone, you know? I don't I don't mind. I definitely also want to come out to the US, fight whoever the top guys are there, the top prospects out there. We can get this going. Let's, let's make it happen. And on that same card where you'll be fighting on August 22nd on Matchroom um, is a big fight, and that is Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. Uh, yeah. And Dillian White, of course, is your manager, right? So uh, yeah. what is your relationship like with Dillian White? And um, are you, what do you think about his, his fight that he has? Uh, our relationship right now is great. We speak every day. We've got a little group chat with me and some of the other fighters that he signed as well. And we talk every day. We joke and we know that, you know, we're training hard for this fight. Um, my views on the fight is I think he's going to get a late knockout for me. I think he's just going to wear him down, wear him out. And then, um, yeah, just go from there and, and get the, the late knockout, man. I, I believe it's going to come. So you guys are both on the same card, uh, August 22nd. Um, they're calling it Fight Camp, uh, and it's in the Matchroom HQ uh, some people called it backyard brawls at one point. What do you know about um, the garden over there, the setup? What do you know about what it's going to be like? I don't know nothing at the moment. I know it's going to be a great setup. I know Eddie Hearn's got a few things up his sleeve like he always does. And um, I'm just looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to bring a brilliant performance on for everyone that's going to be locked in on box office and everyone in, in Russia. So, um, yeah, everyone all around the world, to be honest, man. You, in your preparation, we know that you're a student of, game, of the game. You like to watch film. Uh, I know that you mentioned you like to watch Sugar Ray Leonard, Roy Jones, and others. Uh, you've also sparred a lot of people, uh, Chris Eubank Jr., Josh Taylor, others. Mm -hmm. um, what have you learned um, from just being a student of, of this game? Uh, I've learned loads. I've learned loads. I've learned how to adapt to different, different styles. Uh, adding to that list as well, I've sparred likes of uh, James DeGale, sparred likes of Lee Campbell, uh, a lot of top boys I've sparred, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it raises it raises your, your your game up, you know, when you're in the ring with these top guys, you know, they're, they're at the top right now. 
and it's, it's, it's just been a great experience overall. And I wanted to ask your opinion on uh, another issue that's going on in our sport of boxing. Um, Big Baby Miller tested positive again. Uh, I believe this is the third time. Um, I know that you've been pretty vocal about this on your social media. Uh, You you tweeted, you said, again, please don't give this guy his license back. Um, Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on on that overall situation? The overall situation is disgraceful. I think the first time should get a ban. Second time, maybe a longer ban. Third time, the license don't even come back. Uh, I should always think it's a free strike rule, to be honest. Even though, really and truly, it should be one strike, to be honest. But this is three strikes. I think now it should be three strikes and he's out, man. He shouldn't be allowed back in the sport. I spoke to uh, Mick Conlon, who's also been outspoken about PED use in the sport. He mentioned that he was tested a lot more in the amateurs than he was in the professionals. Um, would you be uh, Would you be um, willing to do VADA testing 24-7, 365, and would you want that implemented for all fighters in this sport? 100%. It saves us, you know, say we, we, we will be more likely to catch a lot of the people that are on these uh, banned substances. And it's just great for the sport. It keeps the sport clean. So, yeah, that's what, that's what we need. Um, and, and just looking ahead a little bit, uh, we don't want to look ahead too far uh, from Luther Clay because we know that that is a, a competitive fight. That's a big matchup. But um, just in terms of what else you want uh, in the near future, I know you've mentioned names uh, like Connor, Ben, and others. Uh, what do you want uh, maybe later this year? Uh, probably a title defense or maybe and add another title to my roster, you know. I'll have the WBO Global by um, by the end of the 22nd of August. Maybe me and Connick Ben can get it on for his WBA title. Or maybe me and Josh Kelly can get it on too. So whichever one, whoever's ready, I'll be ready. And I don't mind fighting whoever. And uh, you are only uh, 27 years old, still young in this game. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about uh, what you hope to achieve overall in the sport, how long you want to hang around in this sport? Um, as far as how long I want to hang around is how long can my body last in it. So that's the main thing. But achieving, we're only aiming to the top and sky high. We're only aiming for world titles, unified championships, that's my aim. You know, we're going all the way to the top. We might might move up too. So it all depends. But at the, at the end of the day, I come in this sport and I said I will become a world champion. And you have a little less than two months uh, until this fight. Would you say your mindset right now, um, are you excited or is there a little bit of frustration? Because there has been a lot of starts and stops along the way to get here to this point. Yeah, I think I've, got to the stage where it's just like it is what it is whatever happens happens you know and it's all part of timing um but i really truly think and believe that this is the right time i'm gonna go in there showcase a brilliant performance and people are gonna a lot more people are gonna know about chris congo and that was my next question. I know that there was an interview um, and, and someone asked you if you felt slept on a little bit, right? If people don't necessarily know who you are yet. So is this your opportunity to introduce yourself to a large audience and, and make a splash in the division? 100%. Uh, it's got to be done. I've got to let people know um, who I am in this game. I know a lot of people have 
declined fights in the past, saying that it's it's a um, it's low it's, it's it's a high risk, low reward for them. So um, yeah, I mean, once I've got the title, these guys can't run away. And uh, just to close it out, two more questions. What would be your final message to uh, fans, supporters? Um, what can they look forward to on August 22nd? Uh, you can look forward to some brilliant boxing, showcase some brilliant skills, um, and also some explosive power because uh, that's what I also bring to you. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what you'll be looking forward to, definitely. And last thing, just to close it out, what would be your final message to your opponent, Luther Clay? What would you want to say to him right now? Boy, all I can say is make sure you turn up on the 22nd of August because I'm coming and it's going to be fireworks. Chris Congo, I want to thank you so much uh, for the time. Best of luck with your fight on August 22nd. Definitely looking forward to that one and I'm sure a bright future ahead. Uh, thank you again for your time and I hope to chat with you again soon. Thank you, Ron. Cheers. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much to my guests, and thank you for listening. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia at, on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. Uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Curran Bhatia.